All right, here's the deal. I'm Tyler Norwood, and this is a podcast about nothing and everything. Honestly, I don't know what it's about. I figured I would just make it about all the things and people that inspire me and figure out the rest later. When you, when you understand the connection between, I wish I had the, you know, I wish I could reference the annual healthcare spend in the United States, but then 86% of that is due to, you know, at some level, the fundamental misleading of the public on the fact that they should be eating carbs and sugar's not that bad for you. It's like, you know, who, who's, where, who's, whose feet do those deaths fall at? You know, I mean, because when, when you understand the level of, malpractice whatever you want to call it i mean at the medical level at the government at the at the government level like it, there there is have been ripple effects of, the, of those you know blatant misleading the public that are hard to wrap your mind around they're so severe so today's episode is one of my oldest friends luke burton luke and i were roommates in college and have been friends for more than a decade Luke is on the seminar staff for CrossFit HQ and works with doctors helping understand and install orthopedic devices in ORs. Luke has always been an inspiration to me with his passion and deep knowledge about all things fitness and nutrition. And today we talk about the looming chronic health crisis the world is facing and what can be done about it. I love it. Exactly. It's great. I'm so far ahead. Do I still sound like I'm in a bathtub? Yeah, for sure. Can you hear it? God damn it. A little bit, but I don't know what to do differently. I mean, I'm not in a tiny room. Or where, what size room are you in? Uh, is room <laughs> size the thing, or am I, am I talking too loud? No, dude. The answer to this question is going to be the most Ronnie Boob Sauce thing ever. I spent like $1,000 on podcasting equipment. Of course you did. I don't know why I even <laughs> I don't know why I would have even assumed anything else. That you're, you're like, I'm actually in a zip-up inflatable <laughs> studio right now with air-controlled uh, insulation walls in it. I'll give you an idea of how Ronnie Boob Sauce it is. I have a Pelican case with like the the waffly foam shit to store all my podcast equipment in. Oh, so funny, <laughs> ready ready for the airplane. Yeah, exactly. ready to travel. Well, the podcast to is podcast. ready to travel. In case I need to yeah. do the third episode of my podcast in New Zealand, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> or or in a war zone, yeah. either in the bush, yeah. or in a place where it might a grenade might go yeah, off. Exactly. There. Yeah. You hear that? You hear that audio occlusion? Yeah, it's not picking up any of that background noise. <laughs> uh, You'll notice my guest today, Luke, is never <laughs> used a microphone in his life. <laughs> Luke, who bought a Amazon MIDI microphone. Wait, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hang on. On the back of this microphone is a thing that says pattern that I can adjust. So let's see what happens here. Okay. Better, worse, same. Better, worse, same. Better, worse, same. Wherever the end, the last one was the best. Well, no, no, no. I, I've only, I haven't, I've only adjusted it once. So, like right now. Then why'd you say it four times? Fucking confusing. Because I wanted to give you a constant stream of audio. I don't know if you want one fucking thing or you want like a running, <laughs> like a sentence. I don't know how. I don't know all the fucking tricks to trade, dude. I, I, don't, I don't start. I don't have my fucking like like checkered snapper for you. All right, hang on. Here we go. How about this? Ooh, that's interesting. A little more ambient. What do you think? More or less like a bathtub. Whoa, this is... Oh, shit. This is a 360 one. That's what's happening. I'm moving around the headphones. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you hearing that? No. Because it's going into your computer and it's putting it into a flat file. Wow. It's or, like I, it's, no, I have sorry. headphones on. Not. Yeah, so it's doing it locally to you, but the phone, like a phone call, FaceTime call, doesn't carry the data, the data to tell which side of the mic, uh, headphones. To okay, how about this? Science. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I think it all sounds the same. All right, how about this? Is this a bathtub? Yeah, it sounds all right. All right, here we go. Yeah, that sounds good. <clears throat> um, That's what it was on. We haven't made any progress at all. Yeah. I think that Still was that, on the first time, we were like, which one sounded best? The fourth one. I only did one. Yeah. All right. Well, then that one. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on. We're um, on FaceTime. 
All right. So uh, what I wanted to talk about is, I mean, we've had many heart to hearts about fitness and CrossFit and like everything that goes on. And you're really my like life fitness guru and have helped guide and educate me on really everything that I know about fitness and diet, or at least started me on a path where I was able to learn a lot of stuff. Um, And given like the COVID situation, what we're doing, I know you showed me the other day when we were hanging out the the Greg Lassman lecture on kind of the five buckets um, that he went. And I've gone down like a massive rabbit hole. Like I've, I've watched basically every level one and level two lecture that he does around like the fitness curve and everything or whatever. And I really just wanted to like dive into that and kind of hear your thoughts and hear you explain. I mean, so you're a, you're a level three, you're a seminar staff, right? Yeah. So within CrossFit, there's four, I don't want to say certifications because they only get, they only start being called certifications level three, but four levels of, uh, training that you can get and the level three is um level one is basically broad overview it's a week saturday and sunday two full days that are time spent in front of a whiteboard lecture setting and then also breakouts that involve movement coaching like getting coached in a group setting and also being shown how to coach in a group setting and then um also workouts and finally a test at the end the level two is more about your coaching so you go you go through and instead of being coached heavily and taught heavily, I mean, there's still lecture in the level two, but it's, it's all kind of zoomed into an understanding that everyone there is coached for at least six months. Like we're going to talk about coaching. We're going to talk about kind of optimizing what you're doing in front of a class and at a gym. And then the level three is a standardized test. So it's, that's where you start a certification where you sit, go to a peer, you know, like one of these computerized testing centers and uh, it's a 160 question test. They give you four hours to do it. And they kind of t- the way they tell you to study for it is like, you better have been looking at the CrossFit Journal and like, you know, paying attention, coaching, and like have real world experience in order to be prepared for this. They basically tell you to study for everything. And that is the prerequisite to apply to seminar staff. So I passed that, uh, let's see, last year. Um, and then and I did it in order to get on seminar staff. Um, the level four, as a, as a side note, is basically someone kind of someone a group of people come and watch you coach for two classes in a day in a gym and it's kind of like the final assessment of your uh abilities as a coach and the cool thing about that one is that it's certified crossfit coach like with a capital c so that's a cool one to get but not there yet so the uh yeah but the that's kind of the process and then um to be on staff you're one of normally three to five trainers delivering that experience to people so um, it starts with mostly movement-based training, then you move up to uh, being able to deliver lectures. You start with movement lectures, you move on to theory lectures. Um, but for me, it's been such a great exposure, really high-level trainers, people who know way more than me and are uh, are really good at what they do and kind of, you know, the absolute definition of like diving in the deep end yeah. and hoping I learn how to swim with these guys. So. That's my that's my disclaimer, just to say that anything I talk about or uh, regurgitate here is definitely almost completely from Greg Glass and from CrossFit stuff that I've just thought about a lot, read a lot about, um, kind of try to throw myself into, and hope to be able to comment somewhat intelligently on. Yeah, man. No, and I think so. <clears throat> on that point, so so the name of the podcast is Imposter Syndrome. So the whole point of this podcast is like overcoming the fear to talk about things that are super interesting uh, and to talk about them really candidly uh, and in a way that I think is useful and insightful to people. And the point is not to like draw any super hard and fast conclusions or to like have an agenda or to make a point and try to defend that point, but more so to really unwrap and unravel like a specific topic of interest. So today I mean, what I really want to talk to you about today is is kind of the the fitness methodology that you and I have talked about a lot and the kind of chronic disease epidemic that the U.S. is seeing. And I mean, that was interesting subject material before COVID hit. And now that COVID right. hit, I think it's like right. really like 
what I find fascinating is like this to me should be at the forefront of every. That's what everybody should be talking about. That's what I agree. Everybody should be talking about, and I agree. nobody is talking about it like at yep. all. And yep. um, so yeah, so I would love, I guess, as a beginning. I mean, so so we watched the lecture, and and I'll include in the notes like the lecture. I mean, he's done it a million times on the five buckets, but can you kind of walk through? that methodology, like that framework of the five buckets, or at least the way that Absolutely, you've, yeah. gone, so, you've seen it in person. Well, let me, yeah. So let me, let me differentiate that. This, the, the, the article, the blog post and video that you're, that you're referencing is called chronic disease key to COVID-19 deaths. Right. And so that content absolutely ties into there. There's stuff that's mentioned and talked about, and you can draw a bunch of different lines on the uh, Charlie day, you know, conspiracy, court board toward stuff from the level one, but we don't, I actually haven't delivered a level one that, that includes, yeah, I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure that more of what we hear in this lecture will continue to work its way into what CrossFit puts out there. I mean, all of the, again, all the core points are just that I don't think we say the words five bucks at the level one, but what's really cool about this is Greg Glassman kind of gives this introduction at the, at the beginning. He's now delivering a version of this lecture at, uh, round at medical schools, um, which I think is very inspiring news. I mean, I, I, I'd love to hear that, but yeah, let's, we'll kind of dive into, I think a good place to start is to kind of look at it, you know, the, the most kind of potent and pertinent information right now is what's going on in the midst of COVID-19 and kind of how we relate. And we'll have plenty of tributaries to dive down as we go through that. So yeah. this is, I, I think this is a, a it, it points to the conviction with which this guy stands by what he's been saying for years and the fact that they would be willing to label a video chronic disease key to COVID-19 deaths and throw it out on YouTube with the type of following they have shows, you know, how committed they are to this message and how much they believe they're talking about. And I, I mean, I he's been to, doing this since the nineties, right? Right. So you can, and I think they released a similar one that was like a mashup basically of including some old grainy video from taken from like a corner of a gym, you know, at a downward angle at him in front of a bunch of people that is him delivering a versions of the lecture that have remained almost unchanging over the years, but for some cleanup. And and then how, you know, we'll talk we'll get into the 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 exactness with which coronavirus and chronic and, and COVID ties into this chronic disease idea. But um it really is a pretty amazing thing that he's, you know, been screaming this from the mountaintops basically for 15 or 20 years. And now something like this comes that just fits. It's like a, it's like a prediction to me, right? It's like someone who most, you know, the world wants to look at and say, you're chicken little saying the sky is falling. And all of a sudden the thing that really kind of proves your point at, in a way that is certainly morbid and sad and scary, but still, you know, gives you every right to say, I told, told you so. And instead of saying, I told you so, they basically try to continue to inform. So sorry, that's my little soapbox about the, about yeah, the implications. But sure. I mean, I'm on the same page. Um, Just before we dive super into it, I think it's always useful to set up the conversation with like a question so that we can refer back to like, sure. this is the question that we're trying to answer. So yeah. I mean, we, we can do it together. I've been thinking about it. I think kind of what I think is interesting to discuss is, and COVID will obviously be a big part of this discussion, but really like, uh, and I would love for you to iterate on this, but to me, it's like, what is chronic disease and, and how, what is chronic disease and how much should we be talking about it right now? Like, I think that's sure. an interesting question is like, why are we not talking more about chronic disease? And so, well, that's, another, part, that's a whole other societal, well, you know, so philosophical conversation. That's, a, but, that, that's, but, that's another episode where we talk about the whole trigger lobby and everything right. about like, what are the powers right, right, that are putting right. it back? But I think for today, like, I think let's talk about the question should be what is chronic disease and, and how is it affecting uh, the world? I think that's probably. A good yeah. So I'll, I'll set the stage without, I, mean, I know we're going to link to the, you know, Greg Glassman says it better than anybody could because it's directly from his mind, but I'll try without regurgitating too much to kind of lay out this five bucks idea. So basically there's chalkboard with on the left side, a bucket much larger than four other buckets to the right of it. And he does an introduction about how he stands in front of groups of medical residents and asks them, throw out causes of death. And we will categorize these before I 
I tell you what they are before we classify them. I'll, I'll promise you that we can put them in any of these buckets and then it reveals what they are. And the large one on the left is chronic disease or just he has it labeled chronic. And then the four small ones are microbic, genetic, kinetic, and toxic. Mm. And so it, it's just to me one, a beautiful, you know, kind of simplification or way of thinking about, I mean, again, it's, it's a hard thing to talk about, but what kills people, right? And what he says is, Students and have them throw out anything they've ever heard of, and it can go into one of those five buckets. So, without giving too many examples, I mean, you can guess most of the chronic ones. The thing anybody talks about when they talk about, you know, people who are sick and dying, and it's not because of one of the other four conditions, right? Which is mostly what we hear about. But the numbers are pretty staggering. So, 86% of the healthcare spend in the United States is spent on treating these chronic diseases. Yeah. And they are responsible for 80% of debt. So, like, I think it's important when you start having this conversation. Like, we, you know, everybody's in a statistical flood all the time. We're, we have information thrown at us. Think about that. If, like, if we were talking about an alien planet and I said, I'm going to show you there's five things happening here. And one of them is responsible for 86% of the capital created by this, by this country by the spend on, on, on treating it. And it's responsible for 80% of the fatalities. You know, do you think we should be paying more attention to that? Yeah. Um, and, and so the point, the reason we, that we bring that up is that for, again, 15 or 20 years in the CrossFit at community in level one and more so in the last four or five, Greg Lassen's has been saying to the world, this is the most vexing problem that the modern world faces, is that 80 86% of our spending, 80% of our deaths, and you know now it's over half of our population is, is has at least one of these, if not multiple of these chronic diseases that the real point, and the reason CrossFit and other ones talking about it is they draw a line between that bucket and the four other buckets that they call the willful divide, um, which I think is, you know, a... Uh, an elegant term to separate these. Um, but the, the, to, to kind of finish off the five bucket idea, the reason it's being talked about in the context of COVID, and I want to use the quote, I'm going to go down here and read the quote because I think this should be plastered across every history book ever as we, as we uh, move on from this thing. But he, the, the way Glasson summarizes it, it says, what has happened is that the SARS COVID-2 virus, which is the agent, the virus responsible for COVID-19, the illness has escaped the microbic bucket and landed in the chronic disease bucket and has essentially started a trash can fire <laughs> with, with the precipitation of death to mix metaphors. Yeah. So the, the important thing about that sentence, right, is the distinction of what's really happening, right? So COVID is killing people, but we have to talk about the people that it is killing and what set them up to be killed in the first place. And it's a hard thing to talk about. Yeah. And it's easy to go down uh, a path of, you know, being able to set yourself up to be called heartless and, and uh, inconsiderate. But I think if you're going to talk on a, the level of the world or countries. You, ha you have to be willing to kind of lean into being honest about what's happening. Which yeah. is well, and it's not to diminish the... Um, how, how terrible the loss of life is like it doesn't matter how someone dies it's it's obviously terrible but to your point i think it's really important that we're open to discussing why is this actually happening right and so before we go like way deeper so i mean just so it, it's easy to follow along um uh you know what he talks about in the chronic disease essentially i mean an easier way to understand it is like what i think a lot of people understand is like lifestyle diseases so cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes hypertension like it's all of these things that we hear about over and over and over again uh and then you know the other four buckets microbic is you know what you expect bacteria and viruses uh genetic is sickle cell like things that what did he say he's like Genetic is choosing the wrong parents. Um, right, it's uh, choosing the wrong parents to the deleterious effect. Yeah. And then kinetic is car crashes, getting stabbed, getting shot. Yeah, shot. And toxic is being poisoned, right? Like alcohol poisoning, getting yeah. bit by a snake. 
whatever it is. And and when when I was watching it, I think the the thing like kind of the aha moment that I had, and this is kind of how you understand that willful divide, like dotted line, is you really don't have any direct control over the four buckets on the right. Like you you can wash your hand, like you can make really petty arguments about like you can drive safe, you can do this or that, but it's like you really shouldn't spend time worrying about dying of one of those things. Um, one, because like statistically it's a very low likelihood and two is like you really don't have that much control over it. Well, I think that's a, so that's, that's an interesting point, right? I mean, we can dip in and out of the philosophical side of this, you know, as much as we want. I can always, you know, pull the curtain back and, and dive back there. But think about what you just said in terms of um, the willful divide and how many philosophical recommendations, regardless of where they come from, in large boil down to control what you can and let go of what you can't, right? So here we're looking at a literally a graphic of that manifest in people's lives, right? Where it's, it is it is people who are sick and pathological when it comes to that philosophy, right? Because they are not controlling the thing that they can. And they're probably, if we were to go talk to them, more concerned about the things that kill 20% of people, like car accidents and snake bites and falling off of something, than they are about the thing that kills 80% of people, which is what did you eat for breakfast? And then did you get your heart rate up today? Yeah. You know? And so I think that, you know, throughout this stuff, it's, that's, what's been, that's, what, that's how I've connected with it. I mean, I like getting it, you know, I like taking care of myself and, and CrossFit is the, the method I found that works the best for me. But what's really made it sticky for me is the amount of parallels I've been able to draw to stuff like that with, um, you know, essentially feeling like it's, it's a guide for me to put in practice a lot of philosophies that have made sense to me, but I haven't been able to find necessarily a framework to apply those to my life, you know, and it kind of simplifies all of that. Yeah. Well, and I mean, one of the things that I really take away from all of it too is, I mean, to your point when you ask people like, Hey, what are you most afraid of? It's, it's oftentimes things on the right. Um, but also there is an implicit awareness of, like comorbidities. So comorbidities is like a word we hear all the time with, with COVID now. And I mean, I would vent like most comorbidities. There are some like immuno disease um, that fall into uh, some of the other buckets. So if you have, you know, autoimmune disease or you have an infection like AIDS or whatever, like that's comorbidity. Like that really decreases your chance of being able to successfully fight off something like COVID. But there's also this implicit awareness that we hear on the news every day that like people with type two diabetes are more susceptible to dying. People who have cardiovascular disease are more susceptible to dying. People who have hypertension, et cetera. And so what's crazy to me is like we have rationally connected these things, but we talk about them like in the wrong order. So instead of, like, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, instead of saying like, Hey, if you have type two diabetes, you're more likely to die from coronavirus. It's like, Oh my God, it's so scary this virus. When the 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 more productive way to think about it is like it's so scary type two diabetes. Right, right. Well, and to to go even further down that in terms of like you know lo- losing sight of the forest for the trees, right? Is those when you list them out like that, right? When you say throw out some comorbidities for them, they. Ninety percent of the population is like, I heard you say that word, but uh, nothing really clicked together for me. You know, like I don't, I don't have a ton to draw from, right? So, like hypertension, diabetes. What's what's actually the, the mechanical, you know, operation happening within your cells that's causing diabetes? And the, we don't need to know that. We, that. That's not my point. My point is not like you should understand the the chemistry and biology of diabetes. It's that. For all of those chronic diseases, this is the thing that Glassman and CrossFit are willing to like throw on the table, you know, with their sleeves rolled up is all of these things, chronic disease as a whole, 80% of death, 86% of our healthcare spend is caused by the overconsumption of processed carbohydrate and sedentarism. Yeah. And that's it, right? So like, which that's that like should be, divide that should be a decision people are making. And Matt, think about the average news story that, that mentions chronic disease that had to tag every time they said comorbidity 
or what the comorbidity was. They had to immediately follow it with, which is caused by sedentarism and the overconsumption of processed carbohydrates. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Cause, cause that's what it should be is because it, they, they lose their meaning, right? It's like, if you're a little bit sick, but the, but the point is that, that it, you never hear outside of, you know, the occasional zealot, or if you're going looking for it, if you show up at a level one, is that, look, it's not that complicated. These are a series of ailments, all of which are caused by willful behavior that is, can be boiled down to two main, two main things. That's what you need to know. You don't need to know that diabetes causes it. You need to know what causes diabetes, right? To your point, like where the, the focus is so skewed to like, oh, I got in a car accident, but I'm never going to look at the fact that it was because I was asleep at the wheel, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, and I think, so, I mean, that's a whole interesting tributary to go down to is like the, the, the mental bias and kind of the unwillingness to accept the responsibility um, of those various things. And I think it's important. So I think, you know, whether we talk about it now or we talk about it on a, on a follow-up episode, I think there's a really important, probably very long conversation about the underlying conditions that make good food choices and the ability to exercise actually accessible for people, right? Because that's a big issue, sure. especially in the United States. Right? Sure, absolutely. That you, you, absolutely. Know, you can't stand on a rock and preach like everybody should eat healthy food or whatever when the reality is that a lot of Americans don't have access to that. Totally separate problem. And actually, what I think is really valuable is if we can all agree that this is a thing, then we can actually start to turn our energy and focus towards solving those problems, which is, hey, actually a really, really great way for us to relieve pressure and cost on the healthcare system would be to mm. actually solve the problem of food deserts, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I think it's productive to, to recognize that that's actually a big issue. And I feel like one of the reasons why it doesn't kind of bubble up to the top of issues that we talk about on a regular basis is because we don't readily, to your point about like if they had to say every time they were like, this person had an underlying health condition, it was type 2 diabetes. Right. If you had to right. say that you know the way to improve your health is through a better diet and getting your heart rate up, and actually one of the big problems that we should be solving is making sure that everyone has access to those two things. Um, and that's where, you know, you see that it's only very recently that most people don't have access to those things. So food, de food deserts, huge problem, massive problem. A lot of different reasons why it's happening, which we don't have to go into. And the getting your heart rate up, I mean, you think about it too uh, with things like PE in school. Like PE used to be super hard. Like if you ever talk to your parents, like PE was like actual right. fitness. Like we did workouts in class because it was important to teach people how to move their body and how to do this and how to gain strength or whatever. There were, there were multiple opportunities to break your arm. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the point being is like that was serving a function to make sure that like every kid, even if they went to a public school for free, had access to learn about fitness. Right. right. Uh, and had access right. to learn how to get their heart rate up and how to exercise or whatever. And now that that infrastructure is like completely crumbled and PE is really in a lot of cases just like glorified recess or an elective class, right? It's like we've removed a really important point of infrastructure where like everybody, no matter your income, no matter where you live, et cetera, gets exposed to the ability to learn how to move your body, to learn how to strength train, to learn how to run, to learn how to play a sport or whatever it is. And that opens up like it's it's also just like an education problem. Um, but I think I mean I want to I want to talk more about the methodology. So I think that um, you know another framework that Glassman has that I think is really revolutionary. Not revolutionary, but it's very revelatory. It's talking about the sick to well to fit spectrum. So the fact that like we think about well and sick as opposite sides of the spectrum. And he makes like a very strong argument that well is actually in the middle of the spectrum and the opposite of sick is actually fit. And the kind of quantitative proof behind that is 
take any measurement that we use to measure, you know, objective wellness, take AC1, take triglycerides, take HDL, whatever it is. And there's, you know, a level. So, you know, take AC1. Really, really high means you're sick. Lower mm-hmm. means you're well, but fit people have a lower AC1 than well people. So what that means is actually fit is farther away from sick than well is. Correct. And that yeah. means quantitatively being fit is actually a barrier. Like it's a proactive defense against right. being sick. So right, right, right. Yeah. that I think is like a very, very revelatory framework to think about that like, Fitness is not getting big muscles and looking good at the gym. It's genuinely an anecdote to being sick. The, my favorite, my favorite summary of that is that fitness is a state of super health, right? So yeah. health is not the goal. Health is normal, right? Health is you are treading water, right? You're not drowning, but you're also not swimming across the lake. Mm-hmm. Super fitness moves you or excuse me, super health or fitness moves you further away from that sickness. So not to just, you know, regurgitate and beat the company drum across it, but it, it, it's, you know, it all obviously the way that I can talk about it is the way that I've learned it and the way that I've taught it. So that's where those five buckets in this conversation about COVID being, a, a, to, to use the beautiful metaphor again, a dumpster fire within the chronic disease bucket. This is what's so, this is, this is the aha moment or the like, you know, Greg Glassman, like double little fingers to the crowd where you could like really lean into like, look, I've been saying this for years is, so this is what you're describing. The sickness, wellness, fitness continuum is one of the four models of fitness that again, quick antidote. One of the ways that CrossFit is so special and the reason I believe it survived the test of, you know, more, more scrutiny and people trying to tear it down and the, te- the just general test of time, something like this is because it began with quantification and it ends with quantification. Just like someone in the sciences, Glassman started with trying to quantify. And then through those quantifications, he, he drew, uh, understandings of, of, of what's truly happening, ways of describing things using data and actual measurables that didn't exist in the world of fitness before that's super powerful. And now again, it's showing up on the largest scale imaginable. So yeah. we give, Four definitions of fitness, and one of them is that I won't, you know, I could obviously do a 30-minute lecture on what the four of them are, but we'll, we'll focus on the sickness, wellness, fitness continuum. And what it is, is like you described, we basically, I think it's important to talk about, like, you know, it, it, it's better to visualize it. We draw it up on the whiteboard like a speedometer, right? And sickness is on the left or on the zero end of the speedometer. Wellness is at 12 o'clock or right in the middle. And then fitness is as if you're maxed out, right? If you're all the way down to the right. And so you mentioned a lot of what we talk about, right? Which are any measurables you can get from a doctor. The things that I think, again, are ignored at the peril of any effectiveness whatsoever are the physical measurables that you can get in the gym or at home or you know, anywhere that you have a stopwatch and a scale, which are what's your run, one rep max deadlift, what's your mile time, what's your, you name a CrossFit workout time, you name any other type of workout time, what's your 40 time, you can throw anything in there that fits that spectrum. And if it takes you uh, a minute to travel 40 yards, that's sick. If it takes you 4.27 seconds to travel 40 yards, that's elite or fit, right? And so the really powerful point that we get to with that is every time we do this everywhere in the country and the world now, we pull the crowd to say, stop us somewhere on the speedometer, right? We're going to move our hand from normally you start on the fit side, move our hand like it's the needle on the speedometer towards the sick side. And inevitably within a couple degrees of, of uh, similarity, normally people stop you somewhere between sick and well, which is correct. That's where most of the world is, is somewhere on the sick side of well. And the important note, again, this is where the, the lecture has now just had the, the burning light of reality shined on it, is that we normally give examples where we say things like, for most people who live right there, something which is inevitably going to come in your life that bumps you off of your routine, be it something so simple as a cold or a child or a car accident yeah. that 
all of a sudden hampers your ability to take care of yourself. If you are already on the sick side of wealth, you are going to move almost immediately or you know much more quickly towards sick and have a very hard time getting back to well or fit if you ever do. Yeah. If you have established yourself on the fit side of that spectrum at whatever relative stage you're at in your life, right? So like if it's a grandparent, you know, I love that you can get up off the couch and that, you know, as many times as you want in a day. Um, but if you, if you live over there and one of those things happens, you must move through well before you get to sick. Therefore, fitness is a hedge against sickness. That's the tag. That's the, that's the takeaway. Yeah. Fitness is a hedge against sickness. We are now in the midst of a pandemic that seems to be the, the scariest, most real, most misunderstood version of that thing that can happen to you when you inhabit some part of that spectrum that is now moving you from somewhere between sick and well all the way to sick and unfortunately for a lot of people into death, right? So it's an incredible manifestation of this concept or, or, you know, point about fitness in the real world. Yeah. Well, and I remember in March, I was sitting in my box. Um, I, I remember I was laying on my back and the coach, like he, he was like went off. We were like 20 minutes late, even starting our workout. Cause he went off on this like crazy rant about how, we shouldn't be scared of coronavirus. Like everyone in that box was fit. And like, uh, to your point, like that was the best thing is to get eight hours of sleep, to drink enough water, to continue eating healthy, to continue exercising. And if you do feel sick to sick, to stop exercising and rest. Right. And that, that was kind of the best possible thing that you could do. So, I mean, one, one, so, I mean, it's a pretty like, I, I guess, bold is the right word. So it doesn't seem bold to someone who's been in this world or lived in this world. It seems like kind of common sense, but I think it's bold in the perspective of like how misunderstood or how little spoken about these concepts are. Um, but basically to say that, and, and you know, if you bring it back and again, this isn't to be um, morbid or dark, but really to make a statement where you're saying that, fit people have a higher statistical likelihood of surviving COVID, which is what we're facing right now. But more so than that, they have a higher statistical likelihood of, of surviving any health issue, whether it's a car crash, whether it's getting bit by a snake, whether it's COVID, whether it's whatever it is, right? That, and again, there's always anecdotal evidence that suggests otherwise. And that's why it's anecdotal, right? There's exceptions to this all the time. Super healthy person dies in a car crash, whatever. Mm-hmm. But statistically, it has proven itself over and over and over again, um, which is like a really bold statement. And I think that is what I think is such a incredibly powerful message to get out is there are a lot of doctors and scientists who are out there working day and night to try to find a, a vaccine to COVID you staying up all night worrying about it is really pointless and useless and it's not going to make a difference. What will make a difference is cleaning up your diet, getting off the couch and moving around, um, getting eight hours of sleep um, and drinking water, like those four things basically. So I guess, go ahead. No, for, for all, however, couple hundred people who whoever this podcast, who knows, it's going to blow up. It's going to blow up. But just to, just to further polarize my, yeah, just to further polarize myself after sitting here and talking, you know, touting CrossFit for 45 minutes because <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to cut that down. I will, I will say that, uh, the thing that jumps to mind for me is, uh, the, a concept that was driven home by much exposure to Jordan Peterson's books and lectures and stuff like that, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been beaten to death now, but this idea of clean your room, right? Like, I think it's, you know, simple language, the same way we can find in anything Greg Glassman delivers and a lot of what Jordan Peterson says that kind of takes all these feelings and ideas and concepts you've had and like ties them together and makes them consumable and makes you, holy shit, I've been thinking that my whole life. You know, the, the same, what you just described, right, is clean your room, is yeah. 
don't look, don't spend six hours on the news hearing about, I mean, what the Trump administration or the CDC or, or your favorite conspiracy theorist or whoever is, is spewing out into the world. It's, it's build the foundation of your house, right? I mean, it's look inward. Is it helpful to get a brief update on where things are? Of course, but particularly in a time like this, like the, the answer lies within your, your day to day. Right. You, your ability to really contribute is to make yourself as as strong as you can and prepared to face whatever it is that may come your way. Right. So that has all kinds of it's not just physical, it's spiritual, it's philosophical. There, there's implications about your family, all of that stuff. But yeah. the point being, this is a time and again, everybody's at home. Right. Everybody's with their family where I think there's there's an opportunity to access the wisdom that's been thrown at, thrown at us for forever yeah. about look within for the answers to what will, will help you move forward. Right. And with something that kills because of chronic or, you know, kills almost relentlessly if you have these chronic diseases and seems to be much more manageable. If you don't, then the answer is move closer to the things that, protect you from that, right? I mean, it, it, it can be a very simple equation if you're willing, but the hard part, which this is, a, you know, this can be a, this is an important part of the conversation about the reason we don't hear more about this and the reason that, you know, people don't take care of themselves is because it is hard, right? Yeah. It's not fun. It's uncomfortable. It requires you to make a decision other than what would feel good right now on a daily basis. And, People have a have a flood of things telling them that they don't have to do that, right? That it, things should be easier and more convenient for you and more helpful. And I think, you know, again, I can get as meta as you want about this, but the the idea that nature, whatever whatever ver, whatever descriptor you want to use, is has shown up in response to the overindulgence of society as a whole to. And again, I realize it sounds a little biblical, or whatever, but it's hard not to look at something like this and look at these types of numbers and say, like, you know, there's some type of behavioral exposure here that people aren't willing to talk about because it would require them to look at ways of living and behaving that they're deep down, they're not proud of. And now the reckoning is here, you know? Yeah. No, I, 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 100%. Um, yeah, and I mean, we uh, last weekend we went to the workout, and I was like, <laughs> I, I wanted to do anything but go and stand out in the sun and work out. I remember you like walking right. downstairs and being like, "Let's go suffer," and it's like really, I mean, yeah. that's kind of what you're mentally preparing yourself for. So, like, I, I agree with your point. I, I think that it's hard, and and there's obviously a bias to not want to accept responsibility or accept that you know, tr- tr- truly most of the answers are lying right at our feet. Um, right. I think that, well, there, sorry, sorry to interrupt. There's an important point about the anecdotes again, which applies to all of this. But I'm going to try to make this a little quicker, but like, you know, to your point that about how there's always going to be examples of in the case of coronavirus, there's, there's people who don't fit the norm that are, that are suffering because of it. In the case of chronic disease, there are people who probably have a slew of, things that happened to them, whether it be before they were born or after they were born, that have set up an environment where it's really hard for them to take care of themselves. Yeah. That's always going to be true. But out of that subset of those who have chronic disease, I would be willing to bet that the vast majority are not that person, right? They are the person who knows they could do better. And either they're not willing or no one else is willing to speak truth to them and say that, you're the one who who needs to behave differently on a daily basis in order to change this. And they just know they're not doing that. Right. Yeah. So I just think, it's, I think that's such a challenging thing to grapple with is you can cut yourself off before you even get started on thinking about or talking about something like this because of empathy to a person. You know, I have that experience all the time. I've had people walk into gyms who need help and, and help them on an individual basis and had to adjust how I help them based on the parameters of their life. I, I can work in that world. It's also important to be able to work in the world of I can talk about 
what's happening to everyone, right? And be a little bit, a little bit more detached from did this hurt your feelings or not? Because it's not all about your feelings. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, that like that, that's really one of the things that I want to discuss. And, and I think where we're at now um, really segues really nicely into uh, a second topic of discussion which is so so there's there's two parts to it um and it's really shifting from okay if you if you buy that whether you already believed that framework or you know you're hearing it for the first time and you're willing to sort of explore it um is shifting towards like taking action so like okay how would i actually do something about it and so there's two things one is the accessibility. So, you know, and, and, and this is a personal critique. I mean, one of the massive critiques that I have of CrossFit is it's insanely cost prohibitive, right? Um, it is order of magnitude more expensive than joining a gym. Um, I mean, in New York, I was paying $400 a month to be a part of a box. Yeah. When we lived in Boston, I, I think it was 300 for any of the downtown gyms, but that was six years ago. And super grateful and lucky that, that, that I can afford that. Um, but the reality is like most people can't. And so, and, and the second point is, do you think that CrossFit has done itself a disservice by always forcing its brand name on top of this message? So instead of packaging it as this is a message for everybody. And the reality is, is like to accomplish a meaningful change in fitness, like we talked about, to make yourself more resilient to sickness and more resilient to disease or whatever, you don't need to join a CrossFit gym, right? And it can be for the fact that, like, you can't afford it, totally fine. Or a lot of people just don't like it, right? I mean, the reality is, I think, is, like, CrossFit is just branded as, like, this super radical, like, crazy workouts, and you're going to, like, work harder than you've ever worked before. And, like, that's not everyone's cup of tea, And I really do think that there's been a disservice where it kind of comes to the conclusion that like, well, and then the only way really to fix it is like join a CrossFit box. And it's like, that's a way to fix it, but it is absolutely not the only way. Everybody has the ability to access the solutions and on a spectrum, right? Again, going back to the food desert issue and, 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 and really I think the most powerful thing that can happen for fixing access to food is more people understanding how powerful this could be, but saying that like you don't have to join a CrossFit box to be on board with this message. So I'm interested to kind of hear, I mean, you've been inside of the CrossFit organization for a long time and you have family members who are members of it um, and you do it really regularly. Um, But kind of your, your thoughts on, I think this is more of a universal message. Like this is not a specific methodology to CrossFit. CrossFit has a lot of methodologies on how you can become elite, how you can become very fit, how you can become very mobile, very strong, et cetera. But you could do all of this in your garage with body weight. Right. Um, And, you know, you could scrap together a much more healthy diet than the average American is eating for really cheap. Um, and so I'm interested to kind of hear your thoughts there because you're obviously much farther into the organization. So like, wh- how do you kind of transition into taking this message, getting people on yeah, board yeah, and no, saying I, that like, you don't have to do CrossFit, <clears throat> but you should at least still pursue this methodology. Yeah. I, lo- I love that question. That, I mean, again, I can definitely fill up another 45 minutes just with answering that question. Cause I've, I've, I've had to defend it in person many times and I've thought about it a lot on yeah. my own, obviously. No, I'm but, sure you've had this so, question come up like in groups uh, all the time. And, and you, just, you just did a really wonderful job, both I think slightly, a little bit on purpose, but also probably truly genuinely like your experience, which is awesome because it gives, it's, a, it's a way to, you know, anal- take the temperature truly of, of what's out there in the ether about it. And, you know, so to, I, think, I think the best way to jump into this is to kind of talk about it logically. And most importantly, we'll start with the most important part, which is that CrossFit began as exactly what you are talking about and has never changed one iota from from being available in that form. And here's what I mean. When when Greg Lassen started, you know, 
came up with the name CrossFit. He, he had, he was, he had done the foundations of what it would become with personal training clients and gyms in California and had his one CrossFit location. And where it really turned a corner is they, they made it open source. They started CrossFit.com and posted workouts every day to the world for free. So every, every weekend at the level one, we say, you know, there's, there's a ton of different programming checks out there in the world. We say that our recommendation is that you try CrossFit.com programming for six months, partly because it's the longest running programming track on the planet in terms of CrossFit, right? I mean, it is the original and it has had a, a workout of the day or a rest day posted every day since its inception. And that has not gone anywhere. It's had updates. It looks a little different, yeah. but the core functionality of the website is still to put an open source workout on there and have people comment with their results and how they scale that workout, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, what the really, name of WAD was created by CrossFit, right? right? Workout of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And so then where the story comes into play to, you know, how do we get from, you know, in anyone who is a, a disciple or, or feels as though they've been in the world for a while understands that, but the public thinks of it as, what you described an extreme sport and hyper expensive and not accessible. I think that is basically the sole responsibility of the CrossFit games and a partnership with Reebok, right? Which let me, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to get anything wrong here. Like I have been a fanboy of the CrossFit games and CrossFit athletes for years. Yeah. My brother-in-law was one of them. Yeah. I've been to the games multiple times. I fucking love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. However, this is, and this is, we'll talk about how Greg Glassman's uh, purity and focus of vision really plays back into this. But, um, you know, he created this system that for the first time ever, he put planted a flag in the ground and said, I have defined what fitness is. I believe I have, the, I can come up with uh, the best way to test it objectively. And we, I can tell you with a broad enough with casting a broad enough net to all, you know, any willing participant who the fittest man and woman on earth are. Right. And that's a very compelling thing to say. Mm. And that started in 2009 with the game and grew in, in, I mean, when you think about the timeline, right. And you think about, you know, we've had a couple of people try to start the XFL and I mean, that's on a whole different scale, obviously, but just to the Literally point of trying to less than one season, <laughs> like they would straight. Yeah, exactly. But, but, the, but the point is, Right. Think, think about think about from scratch the timeline you would need to create something yeah. almost out of thin air. I mean, there have been strongman competitions and American Ninja Warrior and shit, but something that really lives in its own little lane that would be broadcast on ESPN five years, maybe even less, after its inception. Yeah. But right? I mean, so... Static following. Right. So tapped into something really powerful there. Again, yeah. another... Another podcast right there. But the the point being, what that did was spring to the forefront the brand and the imagery of the brand that was literally the fittest people on earth doing the tests of the fittest people on earth, which involved muscle-ups on rings, doing ring push-ups on rings hanging seven feet in the air, you know, cleaning almost 400 pounds after doing it. 10 other times on lighter barbell before that, right? Running an incredibly daunting trail run, all this shit that looks like insanity. Greg Glassman is, is meanwhile watching the trajectory of this, this series of ideas that he's put into the world that are just, have, have become nuclear, you know, have, have, have exploded. And he is, focused on the level one and on training and, and loves what the CrossFit Games is, but thinks of it as a, a function of the more important thing, which is the content that we talked about a little bit earlier, particularly what is fitness, what is health now. We've got a definition of health that we could talk about a little bit, but a couple, two years ago now, um, seemingly with the CrossFit Games at its zenith, he grabbed control of the the wheel of the ship and and pointed it towards health in a way that had anyone in the community just totally up in arms, right? It, it, I mean, it was 
imagine again within this community i'm not trying to compare across with the nfl but imagine the nfl saying we are canceling the nfl season as you know it in order to focus on concussion health right that's a that's a, probably a reach of a metaphor but the the point being this this sporting event that had tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars of momentum behind it he says Hey, listen, everyone, I'd like to make this as clear as possible. That is now taking a backseat. That is great. We'll still do it. You guys can watch these really fit people work out. I am going to tell you unequivocally that what this is about and who I care about talking to are the 80% of the population who's going to die from chronic disease or who knows someone who's going to die from chronic disease. Yeah. And in, it's been incredible, Tyler. Like in the past couple of years, I know it's like from an outsider, you know, this is from an outsider, it's been more incredible probably, but um, basically he asked himself all of the questions that you just asked me and said, whether they are true or not, he, you know, I, we can make arguments about how you could fill up a couple of jugs of water for 10 or 15 bucks and uh, have a set of stairs at your house and a sidewalk in front of your house and do CrossFit at home for nothing, right? For internet access. And he said, that's been true. That's always been true. We believe that. And we're going to, we're going to put the focus back on that so much so that now if you go to CrossFit.com once a week, if not more, they, and you know, it's definitely on the nose a little bit, but they set up a, uh, basically a movie set that looks like an eighties living room and have people, all of whom are, over the age of 40 and not in great shape doing versions of workouts that are posted as a workout of day that are scaled versions or at home versions. Right. And that's another way just to tie, tie off that thought and bring it back around to where we were at the beginning. I mean, you want to talk about a way that COVID has, I mean, everyone trying to make any sense in the, in the fitness space has tried to figure out how to have you working out at home. Yeah. They are the original people doing that. Right. So, I think the best way to answer your question is that um, basic, you know, at some level, CrossFit in the games got got CrossFit as a business pretty or as a company or um, an organization a little out over its skis in terms of not being able, able to control its image. And the guy who started the whole thing said, listen, everybody, we're over here. You, you're trying to put us over here. We are in the health space. We are not in the... Uh, extreme fitness space if some people want to take my methodology and run with it in that direction that's fine but we're going to make it very clear that the majority of people need to pick this up and and walk briskly with it in this direction yeah or the entertainment space too not just the right like elite fitness like it really became entertainment and I, I mean i think that i mean i find myself uh pointing people so when i ever talk about crossfit either as someone who does it, or I talk about these methodologies, I, I always preface it as like, I'm talking about the things Greg Glassman talks about, not the yeah. business, right? Yeah. Like separate those two things because I think a lot of people have a knee-jerk reaction to like, ah, oh, yeah, but that's just a like stupid, crazy workout competition. It's like, it, no, right. that, that's not what I'm talking about. I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not a fan of the CrossFit games. I think people who are a fan is like, yeah, it's a sport like any other sport is, but there's a totally separate thing um, that, that that's going on. And that that's where I think the message is so powerful is like you could adopt this methodology and never, ever do cro- like quote unquote CrossFit, like never go join a box, well, never become part of the gang, never sure. talk about yeah. it like people do. Here's the, the easiest way to summarize that. I mean, in the level one trainer's manual and, you know, from the, from, the mouth of anybody who said, here's the definition of CrossFit again for 15, 20 years has been it's uh, constantly varied high intensity functional movement and eat meat, meats and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch and no sugar, right? So nowhere in there does it say pay 150 to $400 a month to go to a CrossFit box, right? Yeah. That has been etched in stone, you know, on the walls of, CrossFit HQ for since day one, this is what this is, right? And affiliates are independently run businesses that pay to be affiliated for a few grand a year. And that allows them to call the methodology CrossFit. But 
I think the thing that is important, you know, if, there's, if I could focus the attention of the public as a whole, or if I could, you know, shout that answer into the abyss at anyone who would who would think otherwise before they heard it, it would be, you know, CrossFit has been offering the uh, universe, the the most well-defined and most universal solution to the most people for longer than anyone else that I've come across. Right? I mean, in terms of being able to drill down, quantify, apply it, understand whether you're getting better or not. There is nothing that more effectively and efficiently does it. And they've been presenting it in a way that it's accessible to anyone forever. And it's just been pulled in different directions by, you know, like you said, the, the, the fact that it kind of gets people run away with it once they get their hands on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also think like, I mean, to that point about like creating this knowledge base and sharing it with the world openly, et cetera, like it's filling a real gap where the institutions that we relied on to provide education and provide knowledge about these things, right? The the, the, the FDA and the the food guidelines, like just basic things like that, where it's like, it's just not good enough. Uh, It's not good enough for that to be what we're teaching people is okay. Yeah, at, at best, it's not good enough. At worst, it's blatantly corrupt and misleading. For sure. And there's a million, you know, I mean, I, I think, like well documented yeah. examples of the public straight up being lied to. Correct. In ways that, again, when you, when you understand the connection between, I wish I had the, you know, I wish I could reference the annual healthcare spend in the United States, but then 86% of that is due to, you know, at some level, the fundamental misleading of the public on the fact that they should be eating carbs and sugar is not that bad for you. It's like, you know, who, who's where, who's whose feet do those deaths fall at? You know, I mean, because when when you understand the level of malpractice, whatever you want to call it, I mean, at the medical level, at the government, at the at the government level, like it, there there is have been ripple effects of of those you know, blatant misleading to the public that are hard to wrap your mind around. They're so severe. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think that that is one of the really, really interesting points is the the organizations are responsible for educating the masses in this whole realm of health have really fucking dropped the ball and it's so much bigger like again to my point of like it's so much bigger than crossfit and whether you join a box and you do crossfit you learn how to snatch and like do all these gymnastic movements whatever but it's more more so who's gonna fill that gap and that's what's exciting to see about this kind of shift towards health and educating doctors right the whole program to like educate doctors to prescribe exercise right and and uh, all of that. So, so to, to wrap up, I mean, given everything we've talked about, like, and I know you're super passionate about this and, and you and I always find a way to talk about this almost every time we talk, like what is what, what, kind of like, what is a future that you imagine um, w- within this context? Like how, how do you imagine this helping the, the, the world be more successful in the future? That's a great question. I mean, um, I think that the framework is in place. You know, I think that probably the best way to answer that question is that we, we need to, and, you know, kind of ask another question in response to it, but to figure out the way to, um, adjust the thinking of the people who might, you know, have said viewpoints that we talked about earlier about CrossFit. Yeah. Right. Or health in general, right? So, but to, to try to step out of, you know, I feel like I've been kind of the the mouthpiece for CrossFit for most of this, which I'm okay with in general, right? Because I kind of am. But um, yeah, exactly. Such a CrossFit <laughs> bro. But um, you know, I mean, I think it. I'll, I'll make one final reference back to Greg Glass. I mean, when he delivers these lectures in front of medical residents, he, he you know, as I would, and I think anybody would, if you if pretty much straight from your brain came this stuff that you're able to vindicate at this level at this point, I would still say, Hey guys, just FYI, CrossFit is constant very functional, high intensity, you need to measure season of fruit. That whole spiel 
and say, look, I've been saying this for a long time, that's what CrossFit is. But you'll also hear him say things like, off the carbs, off the couch. Yeah. Right? There is not a, it, 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 there will be references to CrossFit, make no mistake, again, yeah. as he has earned. He has earned references to this thing his, he has created. However, there is clearly a uh, desire to point as many people as possible in the right direction. Right? So, my hope, what I, where I would love to see it go, I mean, I, I've always had fantasies about, um, you know, the, the, the basic methodology somehow being more widely applied at, at a younger level in school systems. I know people have tried that. I've talked to many affiliate owners through being on staff and people who are on staff who have worked at local schools. And it's always a head scratch to me is how it doesn't, uh, take up or take off more readily. Um, you know, maybe it's not applied the right way. Maybe it's not accessible as it needs to be, or they don't have the space or equipment for it. You know, who knows what it, what it is. But, um, I think that cross, you know, I think that we're on the right track in terms of if people are willing to hear it. I mean, at at the end of the day, right. I mean, my, my mom always tells me a quote that my grandfather said, which is that you'll change when you've suffered enough. And I think that societally we're kind of have our toes off of the cliff of that divide now where economically we're, you know, we're in the, we're in the midst of a, of a crippling period where there's, you know, going to be record unemployment. People are looking around asking what the hell is going on. You know, again, if we can be hopeful at all that the spotlight will be shined in the right direction on the information that's really pertinent to your life and to every, the individual's life about the fact that this is here, it's spreading, it's not good. If there's one thing you can do is eat better and get your, you know, get off the couch every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if more people can hear that and um, resources like CrossFit, not just CrossFit, but hopefully many others can uh, provide accessible, um, you know, Things that allow people to, like you said, not everybody's to die, not everybody's ready to dive in head first to the ice water, right? And I think CrossFit has realized that in spades and is working to create a, uh, you know, a, a beach entry, right? Where you can wade in a little bit and know that it doesn't require a wholesale adjustment of your life. Hopefully that comes a year from now, right? Gradually, because that's what it's going to take. Yeah. But uh, that would be my hope is that the, the information gets out there about what we're the challenges we're currently facing and not only where they come from, but I think what most people would love to hear right now is practically what they can do to help themselves and their families to combat it and be better for it in the future. And I think, like it or not, CrossFit's got the answer. Greg Glassman's shouting it into the world. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, awesome. Well, we'll wrap up there. Uh, Luke has been awesome. Thanks a lot for uh, coming on and sharing this with us. And uh, we've got four or five follow-up episodes just from this conversation. So excited to keep diving into fitness in general and just the kind of the future of uh, health and wellness in the in the country and in the world. Anytime, man. I appreciate you having me. I always love talking to you. All right, brother. All right, that's it. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing and following us for more episodes. One final note, the music today was provided by one of my favorite artists, Home.